0: The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up and hit me up soon. Now... Get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are rejoined by my man, Dale Dupree, founder of the Sales Rebellion. Now, Dale and his team are not your average sales training company. Dale and the Sales Rebellion are not about a sales program. They are about a movement. Dale and his team do way more than just transform sales. They absolutely help transform lives. And that is not cliche because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen firsthand the impact Dale creates. Uh, He's a must follow for me. He's someone that I look up to. I learn from all the time. And and he joined us last year on the show. And his show was one of our top rated episodes of all of 2020. I've been wanting to bring him back ever since, been looking for the right time to do it. And I decided that having him this week to help us kick off 2021 with a bang was the right time and have him talk about how to get off to a fast start. Now, if you know Dale, you know why I needed to have him back on the show. In fact, you're wondering why he hasn't been here sooner. If you don't know Dale or you're new to our show, you're about to find out why it was so important to get him back on the show early in the year. Because right now, more than ever, sales leaders need to do more than just manage the metrics. I believe 2021 will be a year that leaders have more impact for good or for bad than they have ever had. And Dale has done it, continues to do it, and is teaching both salespeople and sales leaders around the world how to have impact in a rapidly changing world. So get ready for a treat. Dale Dupree, my man. Welcome to the show. and Thanks for joining me.
1: What is up, Rob? Thanks for having me. I want to say this real quick. Anybody listening to this needs to understand that the internet is an amazing place, right? It's and LinkedIn is a is a wonderful place as well too. And, and what I would say to after that introduction is that there are two people in my life that I've followed for quite some time, some time. You being one as a sales leader, and another one being a gentleman named Stu Hynek. And and from following the two of you, I never thought in my life that I would be sitting on a podcast with you, or having a phone call with you, or a relationship even for that matter. And so. You know, I really like one of the things that I, I think is important that people really realize and recognize when they hear that intro and they and they hear me speaking right now is that I I did not plan. <laughs> You know, I did not plan to be where I am right now and to be in a position of being able to to have a guy like that. I look up to say the, the kinds of words that you just did about me in the first place, but it was earned, you know, right. Once. It was earned. It was created. It was something that I decided that I'm going to take charge of these things and I'm going to make it part of my existence. And, and I think that that'll go good with our topic today
0: as well, too. It will. So thank you so much. I, I, I love everything you're doing right now. And, and that's the right place to start, Dale. You know, We have some, our show grows fast. I mean, we've grown. We're now all around the world. You got thousands of people listening to you right now. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the sales rebellion and, and what it is that you do for members of the sales community?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what the really the core component of the sales rebellion is that I I started it because I had spent 14 years in an industry that's very boring, very bland, very generic, <laughs> full of just atrocious leaders, full of very money hungry, very status hungry, uh very very just uh, really the the outlook of of the men and women that are inside of that industry is not healthy in regards to giving other people opportunities to have success it 's more or less this this cesspool of people just getting rich and rich and more rich off of you know a sales guy that they had in the bullpen for ten years and then they let go because they didn 't want to pay him one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year anymore instead they just want to put him on full commission right so mm-hmm. and not to say that everybody in the industry is a terrible person right i don 't mean to, to make it sound like you know don 't join the the copier world because I was in it for 14 years and it was extremely lucrative. I found my tribe. I found great leaders. I found people that believed in me. And there's a lot of them out there, right? You just have to look deeper than the manufacturer. You got to find the private businesses. You got to find the $150 million dealer that's owned by the dad and seceded by the daughter. and And then her <laughs> daughter is, you know, an intern at the organization, right? So, that's the thought process behind, you know, really looking at what the sales rebellion wants to transform. Is that I come from a very dirty, very scummy sales existence, or I should at least is what I, or how I should, how I should say that. But instead, I, I, I had a mentor, my dad, who had a completely different outlook of what sales should be to begin with. And, and he didn't force it down my throat, but he helped me to understand that this is the way this is, this is a, a, a way for us to be able to communicate differently, to have relationships, to build the kind of success that we want. But in an intimate manner not just at a, we faked it until we made it. Or we, you know, we do these things because it's the right thing to do for the client. Like we, know, we do these things because they're the right thing. <laughs> so yeah. just very basic around the principles, right. Of, of human nature and what it is that, how it is that we should be treating each other. So I've taken the entire idea of even sales training and flipped it on its head and said, well, what are people used to? What have people been having to deal with or pay for that they think is good or, or gives them some results, but, but. Isn't tapping into their full potential. And so a rebellion is based on its people, right? Not just the leader at the top, not the David Sandlers, not the Brian Tracy's. And not to say that those guys aren't great people by any means. Hmm. They were my mentors when I was coming up in sales. But instead, we've decided to not focus on Dale Dupree sales training, but instead, you know, focus on a rebellion and the people that make it up.
0: I love that. And, and it's true. Everything is like I've participated and I've watched some of the things you do. And it's true. You have a very non-traditional approach. And what I love about it is, is you teach people how to create different experiences. And I hope we'll talk a little bit about experiences, what we talked about today. But before we do, Dale, you talked about this mentor and your father. Um, I, I, I think that it's such an important thing. I, I think it's one of my favorite parts about you. Could you just share a little bit more about your story and how that got you into sales and and how, how that helped you find how you sell is more important than what you sell. And I, I think I think that's a short story, but I think it's so important for our listeners because it's so key to who you are. Yeah, I would
1: love to, man. I, and, and it'll probably sound like a broken record to anybody that heard the last one, right? Because I tell it the same pretty much every time. That's but, all right, yeah. But it, it starts in 1984. My father founded his first copier firm, and I was born a year later. They like to say in my family and in my circles that toner was running through my blood and (laughs) and it's a joke, but it's also something that I find very intimate toward my legacy that I'm that I'm leaving and also the one that I'm walking in the shadow of my father's you know my dad has an interesting story he had an interesting story I should say because I lost him in 2016 to cancer but prior to that you know back in the 70s. My dad, he was a football player. He was one of the best. He, The high school that he went to, which is right down the street from where I live right now, he was one of the star uh, defensive line, linebackers. He was the guy that was, he scared the crap out of every single quarterback that ever <laughs> came to town. And and he had the potential to go and play at FSU and Alabama and you, know, you name it, he, he had a scholarship for it. Well, he had a surgery and that surgery was botched and it ended up giving him chronic ankle pain for the rest of his life. And, and wow. by the way, he never complained about that ankle pain. I never heard it once, right? But I can only imagine what he went through. And because of it, and because of the bot surgery, it, it changed his trajectory. That All the schools that had offered him up, these 20-plus schools, these full rides, took him away. Where he had one left, and the one that he went to was Carson Newman in East Tennessee that most people don't even know about. But the yeah. year my dad was there, the guys that were there with him went all pro, and they ended up in the NFL. And some of them are coaches, right? So even so, with losing everything, my dad still had – the ability to be able to fulfill this destiny. Well, he blows his knees out, dude. And so he has to come back and, and get a job. And when he gets a job, well, what's the only thing that every single misfit in the world can do that doesn't have a college degree, that was a, an athlete and can't be one anymore? They go into sales, right? We sell. Scott, Scott Lee says it best, right? He says sales is the trash can of jobs or something like that, right? I, and I think it's one of the, the best ways to describe it because the identity of what my dad became was that he he had no other choice. And so he made it work. He became the, the Dwight Schrute, as I like to joke, of of the company he worked for because they made him sell paper and he became so proficient and good at it <laughs> that they graduated him in, into selling copiers on a fast track like none other. And so that's the foundation of who I am in, in, in my story, right? And so fast forward to my life, you know, I'm 17 years old. I'm getting signed to a record label. I'm touring with a band. I'm playing heavy metal music all across the United States. I'm giving all the glory to God in the process, too. So I'm in a Christian band, right, in in a a scene that's full of drugs and sex. And (laughs) I mean, you name it, like it's everything that you don't want to be around if you're living that holistic lifestyle and that ethic and moral outlook. Right. And in the process, I decided, well, it's probably best for me in the future that I want to be able to find something sustainable and that doesn't have all these ups and downs, these highs and lows. These ins and outs. And so I said, Hey Dad, will you give me a chance to work at your company? Now, listen, if I would have gone anywhere else, Rob, I probably would have been fired within the first like nine months, <laughs> right? Because I wasn't good. I, I was really good at talking to people and being Dale Dupree, but that's not what I had tapped into. When I got to that job, I thought I have to be a salesperson. I have to be this way. I have to act and talk and walk and look and feel like a salesperson. And because of that, I struggled for a long time. But in the process of that struggle, I slowly came into my own skin and and realizing what my dad Dad was teaching me, you know, from a distance even because he wasn't like some people would think. He wasn't in my face all the time saying do this, do that, and 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 a father son relationship. Even though I love my dad, and he's my best friend and my absolute hero. We were still a father son duo, you know. So there was right. definitely, you know, car rides home together where no one talked, you know, or he was doing all the talking <laughs> trying to get me to talk, and I was ignoring him the whole time, right? So that the normal, you know, relationship played out, but. Over time, I was softened, you know, my hardened heart, my angry mindset that I had from all those years of playing music and, and, and all the, the lifestyle that I was in, it, it started to slip away and I started to recognize that the thing that's most important is my community, is my dad, are these experiences and that they're going to create a future for me, even though I can't see it right now, I'm living it today, right? So, so my story is one of destiny, it. it's one that my father created and that I've been following in the footsteps of.
0: And I love that. So thank you for being willing to share it. And and I appreciate that. For me, that story does me good, man. And and I hope that other sales leaders that hear that does it for them too. So thank you for sharing it. I I I'm so appreciative for what you do for the sales community. And now let's get after it, man. Let's let's get into what we want to talk about today. We're in it, we're in a new year. Uh we're kicking off 2021. Everybody's like, you know, some people figured out how to make twenty twenty a year that they had they, they were wildly successful in, and others are just happy to see it be done. Uh, but now I think that people are saying, okay, I got to grow this year, no matter what. And I think that starts with how do you build momentum, man? How do you get off to a fast start? And so that's a big topic for me. I love the topic of momentum. Uh, and I know that sales leaders have a huge impact in, in what happens with the teams they lead. I'd love to start with your thoughts around that. How do sales leaders help their reps get off to fast starts and, and build this thing that we call momentum? And I think momentum is a sales leader's best friend. I'm dying to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah. So, like, let's, let's start with the most controversial thought that comes to mind, which is to get out of the freaking way. That's the first thing that comes to mind is that if my dad would have would have held my hand throughout the process of those nine months and would have forced, you know, me, my success on me. Right. I would have been a very mediocre rep. I truly believe that. But instead, he allowed me to fail. He allowed me to go through experiences. He allowed me to have ups and downs, highs and lows. And instead, he led me through them instead of from the perspective of. Allowing me to do it myself, right? And so a leader to me is one that stands side to side with the person that they are helping, not from the front, dragging, not from the back, pushing, but side to side. So real leadership starts next to me, right? If I'm a rep and I'm and I'm looking at my manager, I want to see you standing next to me. I don't want to see you say, Hey, you haven't done your 50 calls today. I want to see you sit down at my cubicle and go, let's pick up the phone. We got a few calls to do, baby. And, and to have a good attitude about it and to have something that, that inspires and sparks change in my, in my mindset instead of just saying like, Oh, my boss told me to do this again. And if I want my salary and I want to have a job, then I got to listen to him. Like that's the sixth cycle that we continue to perpetuate as leaders inside of the sales industry with our reps. And then we sit around scratching our heads wondering, like, why don't people work hard? Why don't they try more? Why don't they come into work five minutes early instead of one minute late? Right. You know, well, it's because we set bad examples we sit around thinking that cracking the whip or being, you know, hard on the team. And, and I'm not saying that there, there's not a time and a place for like having a tough conversation or or telling somebody that they're doing something wrong. Like that has to happen at times as well too, right? You don't you can't always just be Skittles and rainbows, right? But yeah. the point is, is that we don't have to make that the core around everything that we do or the foundation around everything that that a rep perceives we are in the first place. And, and, and like I'm saying, we don't have to be the fun uncle either. We just have to be the person that inspires, intrinsically motivates the reps day in and day out, whether that's extrinsic or intrinsic, right? Is, is the concept because what the reps need is it's just like a video game, right? Every day, a sales rep, in order to feel that they're getting better and to want to get better on top of it is that they have to feel that they are actually gaining this momentum that we're talking about in the first place, which means that instead of telling them, hey, do these things, like I told you, we we need to focus on the targets, right? Yeah. So instead of saying, hey, let's make sure we do our 50 calls, it's Friday, and you're 50 short, we need to say, hey, how are your targets looking for the end of the quarter, for the end of the month, for for, for what it is that you're trying to accomplish? What does that look like? And let our reps communicate those things to us so that we can then say, this is how I need to lead them. Because until they see results from their own actions based on what we're telling them, just like a video game, like, hey, press A when you get to this building and the door will open and you'll get 10,000 points, right? And until they they feel that they're getting something back in return for their activity and actions and that it's something sustainable and not just because the boss said so or because the boss helped them close it, or right? You know, all those different scenarios that that. that have to do with essentially, you know, leaning on someone else, but instead enablement. Enablement is what it's all about in 2021.
0: Dale, I'm so, I wrote down, like, I'm I'm burning up notes as always with you. Um, I'm burning up notes already. And I wrote down two words that I want to push pause and sit on for a minute, okay? Because I think you nailed it. And I never thought about it this way. And once again, you're making me think about things I didn't think about. You wrote, you you said that that we got to be in the inspiration business, first of all, which I believe. But you talked about targets. And it wasn't quotas, it was targets. And you talked about having them choose their targets. And it reminded me of an example that I had nothing to do with sales, but um, my, I was with my two sons at a shooting range and um, my youngest son had never been like a tar- done target shooting like this before. And so we're one of these cool indoor ranges where you can dial on the computer and it sets the target, whatever, and you, you push it, then it sends the target out. And, And, you know, my older son that was a little more experienced was able to shoot it, whatever it was, 20 meters or 20 yards or something like that. And my youngest son was like nervous about having to hit a target like that. So we set the computer to bring it in at like eight yards or something, you know, something closer, something, a target that he could get excited about. And as he started to hit that, we started to tell the computer to take the target out farther. And by the end of that range experience, this dude was like put my target out there, man. Why are you having me shoot short? And um, and so I, is that kind of what you're talking about is having people have say in what their targets are. And instead of setting the target, I like to call it paint the target. Let's paint that target together, man, and then go get it. Yes, exactly. You know, it's to that point,
1: you go to an obstacle course, it's preset, it has all these things that you need to do. Well, listen, you're going to have to run that obstacle course like 9,000 times before you can get it right. And there's still going to be things you're not going to be good at in the first place. But the whole time you're going to be striving toward this one thing, right? This one thing inside of these 9,000 obstacles, right? This one outcome, when instead we could say, hey, well, if I can get through 10 of these 9,000 obstacles proficiently, wouldn't that? be a win you know wouldn't each one of these obstacles be a win as well too right so it's we look so much at the macro of everything we say the only way to set 50 appointments is to make this many calls we forget about the micro all the little wins all the little proficiencies that we that and efficiencies that totally make an individual human being feel self-worth in the process. And because we've gotten so far away from that, people don't feel worthy anymore. And so it's not that they don't think they're good at sales. It's that they think they suck as a person and that they're not, Mm. you know, I'm not cut out for this. Doesn't mean I'm not good at sales anymore in the year 2021, right? Because of 2020, probably for the most part too, right? But, but it, it means that I'm, the stress is too much. The anxiety is killing me. And I think, I don't think I can do this personally. Right. And so that self-doubt creeps in,
0: in that, in that response. And, and I want to make sure I gather one thing, right. Targets doesn't necessarily have to be a sales target. Like the end closes deal. We have yes. other targets along the way. And we should, we need to understand like the process and the people and, and be willing to use creativity in a way to say, let's set different targets that get us someplace that we want to be, but, I think that's what you're saying, also.
1: Yes, 100. percent. So, like, so here's a good example: is uh, so we have a we have a monthly subscription that we're about to launch that we're we're using we're doing a beta test right now, and it's very low cost, but it's sales training at a low cost, you know, concept. Well, this has never been done before, right? So, so like we're walking into uncharted waters, but the people that have tried to do something that's low cost in the sales world has always failed because there's two. Like when we look at sales, we think. The the number one thing that we need to be doing is to sell. And yes, that like look, I absolutely agree with that. But to get to that macro, we have to focus on the micros of communication with another human being, of the habits and rhythms that we have on a daily basis, on the way that we construct communication through an email per se, or how we do it in person per se, or how we do it as a cold call as opposed to an existing client. So inside of this, this product that we've created, we have things like, where you have specific challenges that are daily and they're set for a 24 hour time clock. Right. And so you have one day to get them done. And there are, th- there are things that are different than what cool. the, the, the sales world would tell you to do. Right. So like one of them, I'm looking at it right now is that, you start before you start your cold calls we tell you to to call a mentor a family member a friend have a conversation with each one and then we tell you why we tell them discuss personal issues with the family member talk to the friend and catch up with them and have a little fun with your mentor do an actual role play be- begin you before you begin to to start your calls and by doing habits like that and 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 accomplishing small things like, like that as well too. In our day, it gives us a perspective to say, oh, wait a second. I'm not just dialing on this phone to sell something. I'm trying to build a legacy. I'm trying to create a community and a tribe that surrounds me. I'm tra- I'm not just trying to, to get a quick commission and a transaction to hit my quota. I'm trying to do something so much bigger in the first place. And the micro can help
0: us to see that. I love that. So the targets are things like learn how to connect with people, whether it's talking to a mentor or a family or whatever, but yeah, I see, I like that. That's really creative. And that's, I haven't heard people take that tactic before. And, um, and so you're building that, that muscle that makes it so it could be something that you can replicate over in a different environment, like a sales environment, for instance. Right. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: So like, let's, let's, let's get deep on this. Like the, the reason that I came up with this concept 10 plus years ago when I first started doing it myself was because I was sitting in a room with a bunch of salespeople and a sales leader and, they, and the sales leader was saying, let's do role plays. Okay. And this was in a sales training course. Right? right. And, and the sales leader was like, let's do role plays. Well, we started doing role plays and I'm sitting there listening and I'm just like, have any of you ever called a prospect? Because <laughs> This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And now, and I've also set in organizations and in companies that did They did role plays consistently and they did an absolutely terrible job at making it something that was real and tangible. Well, calling your friend is real and tangible. When you get on the phone with them, if they're in a bad mood, you will know. And because you have a relationship with them, it puts a perspective on it and it helps you to say that, wait a second, so if I call a front desk – and and the person picks up and she sounds like my friend. She's in distress and she's not in a good place and she's not happy that she's on the phone with me right now. Now I have a different perspective. I'm not thinking, oh, it's because I'm a salesperson. I'm thinking I'm talking to another human being that has their own life, their own ecosystem, their own problems. And so now I'm putting a bigger perspective on communication, on on relationships, on selling all together. And those are the the small things that that we that I love to 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 teach, you know, especially leaders. To, to play out instead of a leader sitting in a room saying like, let's sit at the table and do role plays. A leader sitting in the room and saying, pick up the phone and call one of your best friends and put them so, on speaker
0: phone. I got one more question on targets and then we're going to go back to inspiration. And cool. we, we're still in the very first thing I asked you about, man, look at, we, this has been awesome. We're, we're going to run out of time. Like just like last time, man um, targets. Why do so few sales leaders set targets other than either sales targets or like daily call targets or stuff like that? Why? Why are we not thinking as creatively as what you're suggesting? Why is it that we struggle with that? Any, any thoughts around that? Because yeah. I think that what you're bringing to the table is dead on. And I'm excited to, to like figure out how to implement that myself. But why do so few people think that way? So this is my big thought on that. And I actually put this in
1: my book as well, too, that we're, we're priming up and ramping up to release. But cool. and, I, and I think it's powerful, right? Because what this thought, at least, because we, we talk a lot about like, what is the enemy of sales, right? Well, the enemy of sales is the status quo, right? Okay. Well, so because if we call somebody, if I have a product that I'm going to sell to somebody and they've been doing it this way forever and they are in this complacent spot, and even if they're not getting the the best results, they're getting results that they're familiar with, that they know. And because of that, the emotional side of them takes over more than anything. And they think, yeah, although I, I, I feel like I want this, I've had this guy here for 20 years now, and I'm not just going to fire him because I at least know his crazy, right? Or I right. know her crazy. Right. And because of that, the status quo becomes the enemy of a salesperson. What is the enemy of progress and the enemy of change? The status quo, just the same. And same with leaders. Same with leaders. And and that's it. That's it, bro. That's exactly it. You freaking just nailed it. Because a leader sits there and says, this is how I've always led. This is how it's always worked. You guys need to step up to the plate and do what I'm telling you to do to have these same kind of results that I've had at these other companies instead of meeting people where they are.
0: We are data-driven, right?
1: (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) We're data-driven and we're forgetting that, like... None if it works.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's all right.
1: all, that... A metric is a vanity at this point, and, and to, especially in 2021, it's a vanity more so than anything. I don't give a shit about – you know, the $500 you did this week, I want to know who did you actually make an impact on in those $500.
0: So as we wrap this and we move on to inspiring and, and a couple of other things that we want to talk about today, is there any like, like okay, so sales leaders, I don't know what they're doing now. They used to be stuck in traffic or whatever. Now they're walking their dog or what, you know, they're working from home as they, as they listen to you. Is there like one or two things you would suggest? Hey, if you want to get good at using targets this way, here's like a couple of things you could start doing right now. Any any thoughts that would help them get going down that path? Yeah.
1: Like I talked about earlier, the intrinsic and the extrinsic motivation of their reps, right? They need to understand that it's not their The quota does not motivate the rep. There's nothing intrinsic or extrinsic about that. There (laughs) There kind of can be, I guess, to an extent, right? But we force it. Right. So if I'm a rep and I I need an intrinsic motivator, if I'm Dale, the intrinsic motivator is that I want to live out my father's legacy. So that means that I need to be the same kind of dad that my dad was to my son. So that means that I need to have success through my business to be able to spend more time with him and go to the mountain like my dad used to do for a month at a time and hang out and fellowship and ride four wheelers. And if I want that stuff, then I have to I have to be realistic about the things I need to accomplish. And so I look at my job and I look at my quota and I look at my salary. look at my commission. And those things start to, to become part of the equation, not the actual motivator, but the equation. And so if I'm, if I'm a leader, I'm going to sit back and say, you know, if I'm looking at somebody and I'm saying, hey, what kind of target do you want to hit? Instead of saying, hey, you need to write $50,000 a month, right? If I were to say, hey, what kind of target do you want to hit at the end of this year? and have them express that to me. And this is very telling, this is a very telling exercise because I've had reps answer it where they made like $10,000 in, in in commission for the year. And in the copier industry, that's insane because the average copier person should make at least 100,000 in commission plus their salary, right? So right. so when, when someone says like, yeah, like I wanna make like $80,000, then we know, That, that what's happening here is that their motive, their intrinsic motivation and the way that it it works extrinsically as well with them is that it's not really what you need inside of your team in the first place. And so you're, if you're trying to force on this person, you know, for them to make, if you're going, but you could make $150,000 and they don't even care. In the first I don't place, care, yeah. Then right? it doesn't matter. So you've got to find out what intrinsically motivates them and how you can create extrinsic motivation through the results, right? So the thought is this, is that when you do speak to somebody that instead of talking even about money, right? Is that you talk about things like, all right, you're 50 years old, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, right? You're 50 years old. What does it look like? Most people can't answer that question. And because of that, now we found the gap, right? There's the gap. This is the gap. This is why someone can't put together why it is that they're working for you and trying to make a lot of money in the first place. And, and, and that is also a very good way of sitting back and saying, well, this is also why that for two days in a row, they don't come to the office or they don't communicate with me, you know, every third week of the month, the same way that they did the week before. And so you can start to put together the the puzzle pieces of what is motivating these people. So now targets become something that are much more attainable for that person as well too, because you can also, you can gauge the identity of whether or not this is someone that will go above and beyond, or that just wants to be part of the status quo in the first place. And you nurture both of those, right? You can, and You can and you should, right? You can and you should, and in the process of it, people will start to look at what they're accomplishing differently. They'll stop saying that I, I rode 50 grand this month. And they'll start saying that I hit this metric that had nothing to do with the things that drive me insane as a salesperson. And, and because of that, it's not even a metric anymore, right?
0: It's this, right. It's this
1: thing. I <laughs> love know, it, dude. that motivated. So,
0: so that, you've already answered pretty much what I was going to ask on inspiration. I just want to change what I was going to talk about. For our sales leaders that are listening right now, this is a really important topic to be in the inspiration business. And it's not being a cheerleader. It's not having pom-poms on the sideline. I don't think that it's as simple as that. One of the things I've observed, and I want to share my observation with you, Dale, and then maybe you can share some thoughts around this. So as you know, I have my coaching practice and I'm coaching a lot of reps, a lot of sales leaders right now. I had six coaching sessions today before we recorded this, okay? Okay. And I'm working with these sales leaders and we're, we're mostly talking about how they make their one-on-one time something that does what you said. How does it help people like push themselves? Because one of my laws of leadership is people don't push themselves. People can't get pushed by someone else. They have to push themselves or it doesn't work. Okay. Agreed. And when I look at how people do one-on-ones, almost always what's missing is the aspirational conversation. Uh. What do you aspire to? It's always the, expectancy conversation this is what we expect this is the results we expect this is the effort we expect it's an expectancy conversation rather than an aspirational conversation and that's why we see so many sales leaders fail because they're thinking I can push people when I think what we have to do is what you've alluded to so much better than I ever have on how do they push themselves any thoughts around the aspiration you've talked about it a lot I don't want you to feel like I'm asking the same question why do you think that's missing so often my friend
1: yeah I, I just think that people if I were to walk into an office tomorrow morning at eight a m and and I was to stand up in front of twenty five sales reps and their and their leader says, uh, we got Dale in the house today he's going to talk to us about you know all the things he does that are crazy, blah 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 right. When I stand up in front of those people, they're expecting one thing to come out of my mouth right, and this is the problem with sales they're expecting me to say things to them that are going to make them more money that's it. Yes. Right. That's the only thing that they're expecting. When I stand in there, they're not expecting me to call their shit on whether or not they wake up before, you know, 745 to get to the office at eight. Right. Because they live five (laughs) minutes away and they think that that's acceptable. They're not they're not expecting me to talk about their relationships outside of their company and how that affects the way they communicate with people. It, in their everyday average walk, right. So if I have a bad relationship with one of my siblings, I'm going to take that out on another on a person that resembles them when I'm talking to them, or I'm going to have to fake it so hard with that person because they remind me so much of this person I don't like, right? Right. We d- they don't expect those types of things. They don't expect right. that at all. Instead, all they expect is that this is my job where I make a lot of money. Well, I'd like to make a <laughs> lot of money, but at five o'clock every day, I stop and I go home and I. I I do these other things that I actually like doing. And that's when they come to the admittance of, I don't actually like doing what I do. Now, no one will say that, right? No salesperson would ever say, especially to their boss, I don't like what I'm doing until they're ready to leave.
0: Like if they're on their way out the door, out. yes, yeah. that's right. They got
1: a job lined out. They've got a salary coming in from somebody else. Now they're double dipping a little bit, maybe even right. Like then they're cool. With, then I can, can have, have the immediate. screw
0: you conversation. That's right. Right. Yeah.
1: However, prior to it, they, they never speak up about like, I don't like the way I don't like how you treat me during this particular part of the day. I don't like how you belittle me about, you know, the, the least that I'm the least uh, amount of calls in here, but I'm the best At setting appointments that no one stands up for themselves to say those things. And that's what you just talked about, right? It's the identity because we we can find people in that moment, right? We make we we they have to hold it all in. So they have no aspiration. At the office, because they don't see the ability to actually be able to carry out any type of aspiration that they might have in the first place, because they can't get through to their boss. They don't have a good relationship with their coworkers. Somebody keeps heating up fish at at lunch every day in the in (laughs) in the microwave, and it's disgusting. Like there's all these little cultural things that, that we do in sales and that we create. It it, as a as a stereotype, almost at this point, bro, because it's the thing that we've done over and over for years and years, the status quo. And it's what takes the aspiration completely out of an individual. But when but when I do start talking, and the tears start to well up in people, when I'm only 30 minutes into the conversation, then they know in that moment that they're in a position where they are enabled. And when Love we can it. make someone feel enabled, then their aspirations come to the forefront. And when we can dig into those aspirations deep, even when they don't make sense to us, because it doesn't matter, we have to meet people where they are, right? If it makes sense to them, that's all that matters, right? It doesn't matter if it's a dumb thing to say, or why would you want that? It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that that's what will motivate them
0: intrinsically, because those are their aspirations. Dude, I love it. We'll move off of this topic. I, I appreciate you being willing to sit on it because we've got so many other things that I thought we would talk about. But I think you nailed it, man. This idea of inspiration and targets and, and meeting people where they are. I think that's such a great concept that I don't hear enough of. Us as leaders, we've got to meet people where they are and, and help them on that journey and give them this well-lit pathway to getting places that they care about. So thank you for sharing that. I I want to move on to another topic now. Okay. So we're going to shift gears. I've heard you talk about this. You and I have talked about this privately and I think it's a really good one for us to spend a few minutes. we got, I don't know, a little over 10 minutes left and um, and, and I want to see if there's a little bit of time on this one. Is it possible to fast track people? I mean, is it it possible to do that or is it like it takes what it takes?
1: Yeah. And I think there's, there's a couple of answers for this, but The the quick and easy answer is yes, absolutely. The the caveat to it is that not everybody can be fast-tracked, right? So I just want to state that out loud. Uh, But the other piece of it is that we can't force someone – into the success that we are trying to create with them, right? So the only way to truly fast track somebody is to help them to tap into, as we like to call it, their inner rebel. And once they tap into that inner rebel, their success shows up almost immediately. So for example, like we... I can tell you more stories than I can count at this point, but we have a, we have a guy right now and I'm going to say his name out loud in case anybody wants to try and find him and poach him from his company. Because I'm, a, I'm, even though I love his company and I, and I love where he's at, um, Juan Smith, um, and you can find him on LinkedIn. You can probably find him in my context is okay. one of the, the fastest growing account executives, you know, from the perspective of genius and the perspective of success that Free I've ever been able to. Free sales rebellion
0: swag for the person who finds him first and hits you on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Find him. Hit me on
1: LinkedIn. You get a hat for free. But, but or, you know, pay the kid a half a million dollars and he'll change your business because he is literally doing that for the company that he's with. Now, if I would have sat with Juan and said, all right, bro, these are the metrics. These are the, the these are the, the non-negotiables. You have to do all this stuff because this is what sales is. Right. If I were to sit down and say those things to him and give him this, quote unquote, fast track concept inside of what I know to be true from an activity standpoint, because, listen, I've been in sales long enough that I know that a lot of it just has to do with activity in the first place. The follow up, the initial outreach, you know, but it's, it's also about whether or not you're able to do it in a way that compels someone else to be attracted to what it is that you're building in the Mm. first place, right? So the fast Mm. track is about building a tribe. And so until that rebel, until a guy like Juan can make the call and it's his call, not mine, then he can't be fast tracked. So instead of sitting there and saying, all right, this is how we're going to get you to your metrics. We we start with, why do you think you're not hitting your goals? And when a sales trainer, I'm going to say this for every sales leader listening right now. You hire a guy like Rob, you hire a guy like Dale, because your reps or your leaders or yourself, even like, you, you'll tell us things that you won't tell your boss. You'll tell us way, things that no one else will hear.
0: We're pushing pause on that, Dale. I, I, that, I, I told one of my customers the other day, I feel like a hairdresser in a salon sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. So they will tell me stuff that they will tell nobody else. And then, of course, the chief revenue officer is like, Well, what are they telling you? I'm like, I can't tell you that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Code of conduct is is that we have to help the, the reps and the leaders to come to their own decision to expose those things themselves. Yes. And that goes back to the same identity of what I'm saying around fast tracking. If we don't help people to identify who they truly are and what will make them powerful as a human being, they will never be able to hit their stride so so for example you got a rep that needs to hit a number you start asking them questions about why you think you can't hit it if you're a good leader right and if you're a rob or you're a dale for sure if you've hired one of us we will hear through active listening exactly what's wrong in those moments. We'll hear the stutter at, this, at the one breaking point where they kind of start to talk about something. <laughs> they stop because they're like, oh, shoot, I don't know if I should say that, right? Yep. We'll hear everything, and we'll be able to come back and identify, even if it's someone we just met. Because, listen, people, especially in sales, they feel like they're in a, in a soap opera all the time, right? And so they're they're not afraid to say things to us that they wouldn't normally because they have prospects tell them, you know, to F off and never call me again. They have, they're in dire straits in some cases in their, in their career. And so because of that, a lot of times they're looking for a lifeline to begin with. And so fast tracking is really just about this identity of being able to, narrow down the problem and help the rep to see that the problem is actually what's what's withholding them from that success in the first place. But also the creativity concept, you know, because a lot of times what happens inside of somebody trying to be fast-tracked is, is that they have this one specific way, right? You buy the mm. 1999, you know, a, a week course that tells you week one, do this, week two, do this, week three, do this. And you follow all these steps and you get to the end of the six months and you're like, yeah, I sold a couple of things, but I'm just not feeling it, right? Where instead, you know, we do we take a an approach and all sales leaders should do this of tapping into again the inner rebel that creates something that is much more fun in their in their sales walk than it is a chore right? Because that's what their job is From the moment they get on site. It's a freaking chore. That's how we make it. But if we can create fun and help them to identify that it's okay to smile and laugh in the midst of what it is that you're doing at work, then we can tap into, again, that intrinsic motivation that uh, helps that extrinsic result, right? That, that they look for, and they see growth in those things. You know, So like our Rebel Letter campaign is probably my favorite, because when we tell people, we say, I want you to do five, I want you to send five of these Rebel letters." Right. Well, I want you to send five. I'm going to send the, the coffee stain iteration, the pre-burnt one and, and the other one over here. And right? by the way, I'm going to and,
0: interrupt you, Dale. I want you to finish. I'm just going to shout you right now. What he's talking about is worth looking at. You can find it. If you look at his content, if you don't know what he's talking about, go find it. I have spent the time looking at these, like it, the crumpled letter, the coffee stain. I mean, go look at these. He puts them out there. You can find them. It's there for them if they want to see it, right? Yes. And there, it take is. the time. If you have not yet do it, you'll be glad. You can thank me later. Go go do that. Sorry, now game back on, Dale. Keep going.
1: Cool. Thanks. And, and you can even just go to crumpledutter.com and find all of it for yourself. And you can download a free iteration of it on us, too. So do but, it. And, and you should, because we got people that we got a guy that just set a, an appointment with Bank of America, and he's an SB rep, right? I mean, like he set an appointment with the C level suite at Bank of America using this. But this is the enablement process because we we don't tell them you got to do a 500 calls this week. We say we give them small micros to create wins because one of the calls out of those five is going to be someone picking up because we've targeted very specifically. And we've said, yeah, we can blanket out 100 people, but we need to give the reps a win. Reps got to get wins. Yes. If they don't get them quick, then they're going to lose hope very quick, right? So so really it's it's about – It's about the motivation of what it is that's going to make the rep better. Not from the perspective of do as I say, but from the perspective of, you know, you have it in you, you know, what you want to accomplish. You hired me for a reason. For those reasons, right? Let's find them and let me walk alongside you in the process. And, you know, in the, in, in the same breath, giving them the tools necessary that are not available to them and not traditional to the sales world that say, Hey, listen, status quo of sales, you are the thing that's holding my success back. And I'm going to rebel against that. And, and I'm going to be extremely successful because of it and
0: taking ownership in that thought. Dude, I just wrote down like this proof. Now I got like this, you know, like in math or in philosophy, you got to do these proofs. If this, you get all the way down. You just tied everything we did. I'm going to wrap this up in a second. Uh, You're going to like how I did this. uh, I can't wait to share. This is going to be an awesome so what that we put at the end of this. Uh, Bro, I love everything you just said. I want to finish. We got like five minutes is all we got left. I, and so I want to I wanna ask you this last question and then we'll wrap, okay? New non-negotiables. Have you found any new non-negotiables that sales leaders need to be thinking about as we enter this year? Uh, because it changed yeah. a lot last year, man. And so sometimes people like, you know how it is. You, you, you've led, you're leading an awesome company now. It, it feels lonely sometimes. And one of the things that leaders ask me all the time is, what are other people doing? And so if you could share like any new non-negotiables that people ought to be thinking about, I think that'd be the perfect way to wrap this up and then we'll go.
1: I would say that every sales leader needs to make it non-negotiable that their reps are part of a community. Whether it's internally inside of the organization that they build in their own way, because I'm not saying that you can't have your own internal community, or one that they pay for the rep to be a part of. So whether that's a a sales training organization or it's a Slack channel that costs 10 bucks a month or whatever the case may be, the non-negotiables need to be that don't sit around in your remote office. And think that somehow you're going to be okay as a salesperson, because that's never been the case. That's why we've always had things like bullpens and they started as boiler rooms, right? Because yeah. it's, it's not, and, and that's a, a harsh way to look at it, right? At a community, because those were, you know, crack the whip and do as I say, you know, communities, but it's the identity of that we need accountability as sales reps. And but we don't get it the same way that we do from a community, from our boss, or from our coworkers in some cases as well too. We get it from something that we've that's been created for us or that we can enter into that doesn't have restrictions, that is inclusive, that doesn't, that's not gonna hear us say something and go, oh, I need it, I'm gonna need to tell HR behind the scenes. Right, no. we need a place to air the dirty laundry. Sometimes we need to be able to go and sit somewhere and say, "I'm having a problem with alcohol and I need help." We and and we need this because it's what makes us better at connecting with other human beings. Because until we connect it with ourselves, until we understand thyself and know thyself. We cannot know thy prospect, right? Mm-hmm. And a community opens up those doors for people to be able to sit back and see vulnerability and hear altruistic approaches and be able to take pride in their own life again and and to start to be transparent about the things that they need to fix with themselves and with others
0: just the same. Okay. That was, that was beautiful. I'm going to give you a chance to kind of wrap up and leave it, but here's my proof, man. These are the things you just talked about. I, they tie together as though we had a, a master plan. And for those listening, if you haven't figured out already that I don't ever have a, like a, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Usually this is G, I love what you just gave me today and, and gave you know thousands of listeners, Dale, number one, you know, if you can be an inspired leader, you can inspire your reps to create targets that matter. That's things one. Good targets will lead to quick wins. Okay. Quick wins will lead to momentum in your org and momentum will lead to reps that believe in you as a leader. And if you've got them believing, there ain't nothing you can't do. Boom. That's My what God. you just did for us today, bro. That was awesome. Okay. Any final man, thoughts,
1: man? I'm just grateful to be able to come on and riff with an amazing leader like yourself and to be able to speak to your audience. And, and I really hope that, Every single moment that we've spent together today is impactful to somebody else, to, to, even to the smallest capacity, because that's what the rebellion is all about, making changes inside of the sales world. I know you believe it too, man, because we I, need to see massive growth inside of the sales world when it comes to the way that we treat people, that we treat ourselves, that, that we look at the profession as a whole. It
0: has to get back to what it was meant to be in the first place. So how do people get more of you? You're going to have some people that are inspired and I'll listen to you. If they are like me, I'm inspired. Every time I talk to you, man, I get fired up. I'm inspired. I'm ready to go go connect with someone right now. And uh, so they want to connect with you. If they want to join the rebellion, they want to learn more what you have to offer. They want to join your community. You have a community. You just talked about the need of community. Your community is one they should look at, right? You got a book coming out that they should be watching for. How do they do all that stuff?
1: Yes. So you can you can go to salesrebellion and you can find even my cell phone number on there, book a meeting with me. He'll answer it by the way. If you rebellion. text him, he'll text you yeah. back. I can promise you I that. Do. I do. It's like the, it's the best form of communicating with me. So don't send me a message on LinkedIn unless you want to hear from me in about 30 to 60 days. Cause I get so many of them on there where my phone, (laughs) my text is a lot easier, but you can also Google Dale Dupree if you want and just hear like other guest podcasts that I've been on and see other articles and blogs that I've written as well. I post content daily on LinkedIn, linkedin.com backslash IN backslash copier warrior. You can find the sales rebellions page, from that as well too, which also has daily content. We've got seven other active, eight other active coaches inside of the Sales Rebellion as well. (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. I I got my own number of coaches wrong. Eight other active coaches inside of the Rebellion as well that you can also (laughs) follow, that carry our principles, that believe in what it is that we are pursuing and promising to the sales world, community over commission checks, people over products negotiations out the window. Let's take, take it to fellowship, right? Let's take it to the next generation. Let's take it to the things that are more altruistic. Let's start to become better people just come and enjoy, enjoy what we've got. We've got tons of free zoom calls, tons of, you know, good information that we sent out via our email blasts. you know, so come, come get involved, come join the rebellion. We're, we're welcoming you in open arms, ready to go.
0: He's Dale Dupree. He is the copier warrior. He is legendary. He's helping change the face of the sales world every single day. I hope that today you were inspired, that you'll be ready to set some targets, and that as a result of listening to Dale today, you'll create different momentum in your org that will make it so you're seen as someone they can believe in. And uh, Dale, I'll say thanks, man. Thanks on behalf of our listeners. Thanks on behalf of me for being such a great friend. As I say to everybody, buddy, happy selling. Love you, bro. Appreciate you. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first... This sales leadership podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We have no sponsors, just me. And if you like this show, then you're going to love my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. I'm serious. If you have not checked it out, go check it out. I share my very best content. I have a private podcast for members only. This week's episode was fire. In addition, our group also provides coaching to sales leaders around the world, helps them make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. Listen... Most companies invest heavily in their sales team, but they lead their sales leaders to figure it out on their own. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel, and you don't have to play Getson games. If you want a resource, if you want to talk shop, hit me up. My group helps sales leaders that are new or experienced in startups or mature companies growing fast or growing slow across a number of different industries. Listen, you just heard Dale Dupree talk about the importance of communities. If you're wondering where to go, give mine a shot. For about the cost of lunch, I can give you the very best content that I know works around the world and you can start from there. But most important, just remember, we're here and we can help you go fast. Now, when Dale joined me last year, I said he was a phenom and he's only gotten bigger since then. I love what Dale does for the sales profession and I appreciate him being willing to join us today because this topic, it's a big one. I'm helping a lot of sales leaders kick off their year and momentum is something I'm talking about a lot with a lot of teams and a lot of people. It's one of the most important topics we can be thinking about as leaders. And as I listened to Dale, I kept having a really consistent idea keep coming back to me. As sales leaders, we gotta meet people where they are. Now, I know I'm not the author of that idea, meet people where they are, but that concept kept coming back to me as I listened to Dale talk. We've got to meet people where they are, no matter where they are, no matter who they are. Because while the fiscal years may have reset all the numbers to zero, and all the closed one counters may have started over when we magically hit January 1st, the success of your previous months did not. The, the coaching work that you did did not. You know The activities that you've done, they don't disappear, but most important, the experiences you've created, they're still there and can be built on. Now, as I've worked with sales leaders, I've found that leaders that are the best at creating momentum, they do something better than those that are average, okay? And it doesn't matter what they sell, it doesn't matter who they sell it to, and it doesn't matter what industry they serve. They do this one thing really, really well, and it's this. They help their reps focus on things they can have impact with, and they minimize the amount of time and energy that they spend on things they can't do anything about. Now, we've had a lot of things that could be distractions. Last week was a rough week for our country, okay? Um, I don't care what your politics are. What happened in our nation's capital was not a good thing. And uh, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get sidetracked. And someone might say we have a responsibility to think about those things, and they might be right. But as a sales leader, it's important that we maximize our time and our reps maximize their time with things they can have impact with. And if you sit down and make a list of the things that you can have impact with, that list gets really big really fast. And that's why how you spend your time is such an important thing to make an emphasis as a sales leader. And that's one of the reasons I love Dale's advice on setting targets. His concept of having targets rather than just sales goals is a really great idea. Targets are smaller goals that lead you to ultimately hitting sales goals. And, and he talked about them being more than just closing deals every week or every month or every quarter. This is activity-related things that you do, specific things that are short-term, but the, the magic part of it to me is it's completely up to the individual salesperson and, and not dependent on a customer saying yes. I'll make those calls, I'll do that research, I'll do that follow-up. There's a lot of things that we have under our control that we can take charge of. And Dale gave great advice on using targets as a tool to help both motivate and inspire, because they can be so short-term, and your reps should have the ability to really help set those targets. And if you can connect those to what their aspirations are, then it really starts to take hold, okay? And so, that's what I would, I, I, I just keep thinking about is meeting people where they are is creating a plan for them based on where they are now, not where you want them to be. Okay. And so I think this idea of targets that helps you keep focused and inspired is, is helpful no matter what you do. This is especially helpful if, if you're a company that has maybe a little more enterprise or maybe a little more lengthier sales cycle, and it's not just a transactional sale. Uh, I want to finish this, so what, with that little proof that I put together as I listened to Dale's Insights. Uh, I want to make sure it's real clear to you. I think that this is an important one. It's actually, I've thought a lot about it since I recorded this a couple of weeks ago. Um, Number one, as a leader, we need to inspire targets that matter. Targets that matter. Yeah, that's a big deal. We need to get in and we need to stay in the inspiration business. Number two, we need to choose the right targets because if we have targets that matter, number one, and then we choose the right targets... What that will result in is quick wins. Number three, quick wins, that's what starts to build momentum, right? Little victories. That's the second thing that the great leaders do that are good at building momentum. One is they focus on what they can have impact with. Number two is they celebrate, okay? And so we want to have these little victories that build momentum. And finally, momentum will create belief. And before I talk about this, I'll say it again. Targets that matter. Targets create quick wins. Quick wins create momentum. Momentum creates belief, okay? That's something you should write down and think about. That's something that can make you have so much more success as a sales leader. Listen, momentum will do amazing things for you. With momentum, people will sign up for your leadership. With momentum, people will overlook your shortcomings. With momentum, you get discretionary effort and insight. With momentum, you accomplish so much more than you would have ever accomplished otherwise. So Dale, my man, thank you for joining me. Now, I want to finish this episode with his new non-negotiable. Help your reps find and participate in communities. Dale's got a community. I've got a community. You know, With everybody on lockdown, this concept of communities is more important than it's ever been. So I don't care if it's Dale's. I don't care if it's mine, if it's Sales Leadership United. I don't care if it's the new big dog on the corner, Rev Genius. Or I don't care if it's another one that meets your needs. There's a few of them out there right now. They've come up because there's such a need for it. And as a leader, you should encourage participation in these communities. Listen, I can't get enough of Dale. I can't get enough of the Rebellion. My advice to you is to reach out to him. He's a must-follow. He'll help you become far more successful, far faster than you expect. Most of all, like I always say, thanks to each of your listeners. The show's growing faster each week, okay? I can't thank you enough for the support and for the shares. If you liked our show today, please, please head to iTunes. Give us another five-star review. This is the best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the best sales leaders in the world. So, here's to creating momentum. Get in the inspiration business. Stay in the inspiration business. Don't ever become an armchair quarterback. Stand side by side with your reps and don't tell them what to do. Show them. Set great targets. Get quick wins. And build momentum that drives belief in you, your leadership, and their individual ability to achieve. You do this you'll find people will not only choose to make changes, they're going to thank you for it. I wish you all a fantastic week. And as always, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jepp And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.